as you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, I want to introduce us to, uh, to this theme of freedom as we close out the series going through the book of Romans. Now, before I, I jump in, I just I want to say this. I like to give honor where honor is due. Some of you don't know this, but today we are blessed to have the founding pastor of Grace Bible Church here, Pastor Lowell Foster. He's 95 years old, and this is his first time to be here since before COVID. And Pastor Foster, it's so good to have you here today. My goodness. I had the chance to, to spend some time with him a week or so ago, and uh, he told me, he said, I just hate not being in church. You are here, and now it's back to normal. Let's do this, man. I, I love, I'm so thankful for his legacy. God used him to start this church in 1976. And uh, man, I, I am so thankful for how God's used this man. You know, it's, it's amazing how God works in the many ways that, that he, he brings about his sovereign purposes. And we've been in this series going through the book of Romans, and, and today we're going to end on, uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, if you weren't raised Pentecostal, I wasn't, I'm not, a, I'm not Pentecostal or anything like that, but I got a Pentecostal soul way down deep inside of me. And this morning, just get ready. Listen, man, I, listen, even the Presbyterians today, you can just tell your face that you're happy. I, that's all I'm asking. We're going to have some fun today as we dive in to the Word of God. And if, by the way, you're new and you're like, I can't believe he's making fun, just, you'll get used to me. That's just how we roll here. <laughs> But, you know, I, I came across this really heartwarming story on Tuesday. In fact, uh, I was uh, checking out the scores on ESPN.com to see how bad my team got, the Reds got beat. And, um, and I, I came across this great story. 70, uh, there was a 70-year-old lady, her name's Gwen Goldman, 70-year-old Jewish lady from Connecticut, 60 years prior had written a letter to the, uh, you know, the management of her favorite baseball team, the New York Yankees, and had asked if she could be a Batgirl for a game. Now, she was 10 years old, and she, she wrote this letter. And so they responded back, and they said, we're sorry. We only allow boys to, uh, to fill this, this role, and so you're, you're not going to be able to do this. And, and man, for a 10-year-old girl, that's, that's devastating. And, and so she, she never, she, she saved that letter in her correspondence, that sort of thing, but she never forgot that. Um, Fast forward 60 years, her daughter was helping her go through some of her correspondence, came across this letter and the response that she had received back from the New York Yankees. And her, mom, and, and her daughter had this wild idea. She's like, I wonder if I reached out to them, if they at least would acknowledge my mom in some way. So she, re, they, so she, she wrote a personal letter to Brian Cashman, who's the general manager of the New York Yankees. He got the letter reached out immediately and said, we would love for your mom to be a Batgirl if she's willing to come. <laughs> Gwen was like, oh, this is great. So the, the story, you know, the, it was pretty amazing. After, after the game, <laughs> honestly, the reporters were more interested in her account than what happened because it is the New York Yankees. But anyway, uh, <laughs> 
after, after the game, they were interviewing Gwen. And, and, and so they were asking her, you know, what was it like? And, and so she was talking about, you know, just this, the joy that she felt when she was escorted as a guest of honor through gate two. Uh, she talked about what it was like to, to walk down the tunnel to the locker room and, and to walk into the locker room. And there's her locker and they have her nameplate there. Her name was on it. And, and, and she was like, I, I just can't believe this. And, and then she talked about what it was like to, to walk out on the, the field there at Yankee Stadium. They, they let her throw out a pitch. She got to sit in the dugout. And, and the whole time she's talking about this to the reporter, she keeps on using a Hebrew word that, that actually is a word that shows up time and time again. I shouldn't say time and time again, but it shows up in the Passover celebration. In fact, there's a song that comes from this that's used as part of the Passover celebration. And it's a Hebrew word, dainu. Okay? And so, so uh, like if you're Jewish, you're like, you you just mispronounced that word. Sorry. I, I'm just telling you, that's, so, you know, we're in this together. She pronounced that way, so I'm just going with what she said. Anyway, here, here's the deal. That Hebrew word, if, if you translate it into English, it, it, it's a word that sums up an English phrase. It would have been enough. And so as they were, as they were talking, asking all these questions, she keeps on using this word. It would have been enough just to walk through the doors as an honored guest. It would have been enough to walk into the locker room and to see her own locker there. It would have been enough to, to throw out the first pitch, to walk out on, on the, the field there in Yankee Stadium. It would have been enough. But there's more. I love this. In fact, that phrase has just resonated with me since I read it Tuesday morning. In fact, I believe that phrase perfectly encapsulates how we're going to close out this series that we've been in looking at Romans 1 through 8. Because what we've seen over the last few weeks is this. We have a massive sin issue and you and I can't do anything about it in our own strength. We cannot save ourselves. But what we've seen is that God in his grace did something about the sin issue that we couldn't do anything about. Through the work of Christ on the cross, he has saved us, he has justified us, he has redeemed us, and is continuing to do the work of changing us. That's worthy of some celebration here this morning. This is amazing. And you look at this and you can say, it would have been enough. But here's what I want you to understand this morning. We serve a God of more. That would have been enough, but with God, there's always more. And so if you don't hear anything else out of what I, from what I'm going to share this morning, I want you to write down my big point. If you're taking notes on your app or, or you, you have the paper, I want you to write this down. This is amazing. It, it's, you probably, you know, it's something we assume, but I want to make sure we understand this. I'm going to break down why this is the case. In Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I have everything we need. By the work of Christ, in Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have everything we need. And so we're looking at Romans 8, which, I, listen, everybody has their favorite, you know, Bible verse. Like you've gone to Hobby Lobby and found that little thing you hang up in your house, you know, your living room or whatever. Uh, you know, you have the t-shirt, uh, you, you might have your coffee mug. Well, here's my deal. 
I, I, I can't do that because I'd have to put the entirety of Romans 8 on there and it doesn't fit on a t-shirt. It's not going to fit in a poster or whatever. So here's the deal. I'm going to preach from what I believe is the greatest chapter in the word of God. I love, love, love Romans chapter 8. It begins by telling us that there's no condemnation. It ends by saying there's no separation. And in between, it says that for the child of God, there's no defeat. That's some good news on Independence Day. Come on, man. You guys better get fired up. We're going to do this. <laughs> oh, I love this. I love this. And so, so here's what you got to know. I wish... I wish I could just spend like seven hours on this, and you're like, please, no. But I, what we're going to do, we're, we're going to do a whole series in Romans 8 next, uh, uh, next year, but I'm going to give a 30,000-foot view to this incredible, incredible book. And what, what I, man, I'm gonna, I want to do, I want to speak to those who are here that for whatever reason, you, your, your assurance in God's love for you, your assurance in what Christ has done for you has been shaken. Satan has been attacking you. You, are, you just keep looking back. You, your rearview mirror is bigger than your windshield. I want to talk to people who are obsessed with the past and it just feels like you can't move forward. You feel like God's a million miles away because there are five assurances that anchor the faith of every son and daughter of God. And the first assurance is, is found here in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's some good news. There is therefore now no Condemnation. In fact, if you could sum up all of Romans chapter 8 into one verse, it's right here in the very first verse. No condemnation. Now, here's the qualifier. For those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the, for, for, for the, law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And so, so what you're going to know, if, you know, if you've, you've hung with me through this series, if not, like I'm going to just condense everything. We, we started in Romans chapter 1, introducing this issue. We've got this problem of sin. We look at the problem, the power of sin, how we can't break free. In fact, Paul, Paul as we continue through Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 3, talks about all of our attempts to ourselves break ourselves free from sin. He, in fact, last week we talked about our inability to live up to the demands of the law. The, the, the law, though it is intended for good, it reveals the fact that we're sin, also reveals our personal ineffectiveness in the flesh to overcome the issues that we see. And so last week, you know, if you weren't here last week, you miss, missed it, man. I brought out my hawk fist. Man, it was a great time, man. And I talked about how inside there's these, be, before Christ and before the gospel, there's this war between covetousness. Man, I desire more and I don't want any boundaries in my life. And then also the, the God-given conscience that we're all born with. You don't have to be a Christian to have a conscience. Now, we can defile the conscience and all that, but, but, but the conscience, uh, you know, our conscience is, is, is wrestling with covetousness. I'm, man, I know I should do this to, to be a moral person. And then we're pulled over here and it's, man, we just feel the crushing weight of condemnation. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And, and what can happen is even if we are in Christ, we, we forget what we have been saved from. We, or perhaps we don't even fully grasp and understand what God has done. And so we feel this condemnation. We feel this, this separation. 
And you see, one of the primary weapons in, in Satan's arsenal against the, against the children of God is, is this weapon of fear. And the fear manifests itself in, in two different ways. First of all, in, in condemnation. Satan is really good. He has a great memory. And you might forget what God has done, but he won't let you forget what you've done. And he takes you back, and he takes you back, and he takes you back. And, and, and if, you're, if, you're not, if you're not remembering what God has done, you'll, you'll look at what you've done, and you feel the shame, and you feel the guilt. We've all been there. And we are guilty outside of the work of Christ. And he says that what you did is who you are. But that's not true. But yet he uses that. And so there's this fear that maybe I've done too much and God, I'm just going to be an outsider in the family of God. But there's also this fear of separation. There are times that, that our emotions, man, it, they, they tell us that we're separated from God. You, you, you just feel there's, man, something's not right. And, and let me just pause. Our feelings aren't always reality. In fact, I, I would venture to say that no one has lied to you more than your feelings have lied to you. And I don't say that, listen, God gave us our emotions. They're, they're, they're God-given. But, but there, there are times that our emotions can be hijacked. And, and there, are, there are times in, in, in which we feel something, even though we know it's not the case. And, and Satan wants to do this to shake our confidence. But we come back to the fact there is no condemnation from the law for those who are in Christ Jesus. Absolutely. In Christ and by the Spirit, there is no condemnation from the law. Now, I know that feeling of separation. I've told this story before, but it just fits here. This was several years ago. Um, you, you know how it is when you first wake up and you're just not thinking clearly? Like, I, some of you are there right now. I just, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but like, like you're, you're, you're still trying to gather your thoughts. Well, well I, I woke up, and, and there are times when you wake up and you feel like you're being watched. You've had that. Like you, you feel like somebody's looking at you. I had that feeling I wake up and, and somebody was. It was my wife. <laughs> and she was raised up on an elbow and she was looking at me and, and her beautiful green eyes were ice cold. And I, I mean, immediately, you ever, you ever walk in the house and you can just tell something's off? And you, you're, not, you're not sure what's off, but the more you stand around, it's like, I think I'm part of the problem, and I don't know what's going on here. And so I'm, so I'm, I'm looking at her, and, I, and, I, and I'm like, what, what, what's wrong? And she said, I'm struggling to like you right now. And I'm like, whoa. And so I'm like, like scooting myself back up so I can, you know, sit up against the backboard. I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? She said, you cheated on me. And I'm like, no, I didn't. She goes, yeah, yeah, she goes, you did? I, I had a dream that you cheated on me. <laughs> and so I'm looking, I'm like, you know that was a dream, right? She goes, I know, but I'm struggling to like you right now. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm going to tell you right now. Like, like, Lori is the most logical, calm, cool, collected. She is not phased by anything person that you will ever see, except, apparently, when she's caught somewhere between dream and reality. There's, like, this phase in there. And so I'm like, you know that's not the case. And she's like, I know, I know, I know. And, and like, like, we have to sit, and we had to walk through and talk through this. And I'm going to tell you, bro, I, I was like, dude, I never want to feel that again. Like, never, never want to feel that again. 
We, we've been there relationally. We've been there maybe on the job. You, you, you feel like, man, I, I feel like maybe I'm not, you know, living up to standards. And you always want to, man, what's wrong? You want to find out what's wrong. There are times we feel the separation. And many times when we feel that separation, we immediately do a self-examination. Now, there's nothing wrong with that unless we're not allowing God to aid us in this. You know, Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24, search me, O God, see my heart. But the key is search me, O God. Because many times what we do is we'll go back and we'll look, man, where did I screw up? What did I do? What did I do wrong? And we've been there many times in a relationship with God. I feel like something isn't quite right. I feel separation. Maybe God is through with me. Maybe it's because of my past. We go down this rabbit hole. But listen to me, church. If you are in Christ, in Christ and by the Spirit, there is no condemnation. We were guilty. But because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, he who was sinless became the offering for you and I. He died for us. He did the work for us. Listen, the law had tried to save us, but the law cannot save us. You know who saved us? Jesus Christ. And instead of condemning, instead of, instead of condemning us, God condemned sin through Jesus Christ so that, as we continue to read verses 3 and 4, so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Is there anybody in this room that is glad that in Christ and by the Spirit there's no condemnation according to the law? Come on. Hey. Gwen, like she put it, that would have been enough. But hold on a second, there's more. Because as we continue to read, what we see is this, in Christ and by the Spirit, we are also delivered from our sinful nature. And you're like, hold on a second, what are you talking about? Well, first of all, what we have to understand is that in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit is mentioned more than any passage in the entire uh, Bible. And the Holy Spirit as introduced by Jesus in John chapters 14, uh, we, we also, some in 13, 16, we, we get a picture. He is the one who comes to convict, who comes to counsel, who literally guides us into all truth. But what we see in Romans chapter 8 is that the Holy Spirit also breaks the hold and the power that sin has over us. Because you see, if we are in Christ, as, as we keep seeing here in this phrase, in Christ, walk by the Spirit, if this is the case, we aren't who we used to be. You see, salvation is not merely stating, hey, I'm saved. You know, it's like Michael Scott in the office when he declared bankruptcy. Bankruptcy! No, you just saying it doesn't mean anything. Right? You, you, you don't, you, we just don't make a profession and that's it. No, there's a radical change. There's a, there's a big, you know, 16-cylinder word that shows up in the New Testament called regeneration. And when you come across it, I want you to know what it means. It literally means that there's a transformation. It, it's we are born again. It's a radical change that only God can do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says that when this happens, the, the old is gone, the new has come. We are no longer who we used to be. Now, I want to make sure that we understand this. Does that mean that we are going to be perfect? Lord, no. I mean, look, around, look at the person next to you right now. You just know that's not the case. The godliest person that you know has their issues, right? 
Okay, so it's not that we're perfect. Does it mean that we're not going to stumble? No, we are going to stumble. Does it, does it mean that, you know, th- does this mean that, that, that we're never going to be tempted? No, we're going to be tempted. But here's the difference. When we stumble, we don't stay there and our stumble does not define us. The power of sin has been broken. That's why John wrote these glorious words in 1 John uh, chapter 1. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We keep moving. Sin is no longer our master. I love Romans. Look, Look at verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. I want you to understand this. Verse 11 is powerful. Listen to this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he is talking about the spirit. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What this means is that there is a transformational person at work within us, the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, you can write this down, you you can come back to this, it just tells us that, that we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another, and this is the work of the Spirit who is Lord. It is it is the Holy Spirit who is changing us. He he is he is actually doing the work of making us in practice who we are according to God's declaration. So, so, so what this means is when you and I are saved, we've been talking about this over the last few weeks, we are saved from our sins, we are born again. What you've got to know is at that moment, we're saints. You're like, dude, I am not a saint. I get that. And in practice, you're not. But here's the thing that I love. Positionally, you are. And so what the Holy Spirit does is he, in practice, makes us who God has already called us and declared us to be. Which means, church, there's no such thing as a defeated Christian. And you're like, whoa, hold, hold, hold on a second. You can't say that. You don't know what I'm going through. No, 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 hold on a second. I'm not saying that you haven't fallen. I haven't, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you're not struggling. I'm not saying that Satan isn't fighting and, and you, your faith has been shaken. But can I tell you that in Christ and by the Spirit, there's no such thing as a defeated Christian. The victory's already been won. And you're like, well, that's awesome. It is. Listen, like Gwen said, this would be enough. If this was all there was, this would be enough. But there's more. You see, in Christ and by the Spirit, we have a change in status. You you know what our status is before Christ? Slave. That's, that's, in fact, you go back to Romans chapter 6, that, that, that word shows up time and time again. We're slaves. But I want you to look at, at, as as we continue to read here, I want you to look at what Paul says beginning in verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children... We're heirs. That, that, man, we're going to inherit. We're going to be able to inherit everything 
that God has coming to his children. Look at this. Heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Man, there's so much here. I could, I, I could preach a series out of these three, four verses right here, but let me just pause this. What, what I love is that in Christ and by the Spirit, our status has changed. Slave to son, slave to daughter, this is who we are. And can I tell you that I know this is a revolutionary concept to those of us who struggle, who have bought into the lies of the enemy, that, that our past will always define us. That, yeah, we can be saved, but because of my past, I'm always going to be an outsider in the family of God. Can I say, can I, uh, let me say this politely. There are no stepkids in God's family. And what I mean by that, there's nobody who has to feel like, well, because I wasn't born, you know, in, in, in this family, that man, I got I to gotta be here on the outside. They're, they're going to like these kids. But no, 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 no. When we are born again, we are sons and daughters of God. And I love the fact that Paul uses adoption language to illustrate this point. There's nothing more beautiful to me than being able to witness an adoption ceremony. One of the, one of the highlights of my job as pastor, I get, I've, I've had the chance several times to be in the courtroom and to see the status, the name changed. And, and what I love, what I love is that, is that man, a child who, who maybe, was, you know, the parents give up their rights for one reason or another, or maybe they, they've been orphaned, maybe they've been abused, whatever the case happens to be, a child who, who even at a young age might not understand everything, but, but, but they don't belong, there is something that takes place in which they are chosen and they belong to a family. They, they belong and I love that the law says that you cannot disown someone whom you adopt. You are part of the family forever. Guys, this is, this is the beauty, this confidence that, that, that we have here. You're part of the family. You have the family name. You have the rights of family. You have access to all the family has access to. Listen, you can come in confidence. It's like, well, it's not my dad by birth. It does not matter. A dad's a dad. A parent's a parent. You come with confidence. Your, your kids ever wake you up in the middle of the night? Like, I mean, they just, they just come in. I, I was talking to uh, Matt Harshbarger. He's our creative director. Last week he came in, and, and I could tell, man, it was like, you know how you can just look at somebody? I was like, he's not totally here. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, man, I, I didn't sleep at all last night. I'm like, what happened? He goes, well, Jude, Jude I love little Jude. You've probably, maybe you've seen him running around here. He's got red hair. That kid is like the mascot of, of the office. And, and uh, he's like, I don't know, three, something like that. And, and he said, Jude has this thing where, like, if he needs something, it doesn't matter what time of the night or day, he's just going to come ask. And he said, I don't know how many times he walked into my, my uh, bedroom. He's like, Dad, Dad, Dad. Dad, and he's like, he opens his eyes, what do you, what do you want, bud? He's like, hey, come here, I want to show you something. <laughs> like, I don't, no, it's like, it's like 2.30. Dad, I want to show you something. He says, so I get up and go in there, and, you know, he wants to, he wants to show me something. Listen, I love that phrase, Abba, Father. That's actually a very intimate title. It goes beyond just a dad. It's, it's just a dad by position. It's this, it, it, it implies this intimacy you can, you can come approach the Father and you can ask anything that you want. Dad, I need this. Dad, look at this. Dad, listen. 
because of what Christ has done and thanks to the work of the Holy Spirit within us, we have access to the Father and not a Father who is removed, who we have to shout out, a Father to whom we can whisper, even in the middle of the night. You're like, well, I'm going to tell you what, if that was my kid, I just tell him get back in bed. and they, You're not a good dad. I'm not going to use you for my sermon illustration. I'm just telling you right now. I'm talking about this beautiful beautiful title, Abba, Father. We're no longer slaves. We are sons. We are daughters. You're like, oh man, that is amazing. And hey, listen, that would be enough. But there's more. You see, in Christ and by the Spirit, we have hope of a future glory. And beginning in verse 18, where, he, where Paul writes, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed with us. Paul introduces this concept that what God is doing is transformational, not only on an individual level, but on a cosmic level. He says that even nature itself is groaning to be redeemed from slavery. Ever since the fall, even nature itself has, has happened. And I'm going to tell you right now, like whatever, we, whatever we're going to have, like 17 weeks of 106 degree weather, that's a result of the fall, I'm telling you right now. But he's saying, man, he said, even nature's groaning. But listen, this glory is going to be revealed. And whatever you're enduring here, whatever the sufferings you're going through here, they're not even worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed to us. And what I love about this is what we've seen is not all there is. Aren't you thankful for that news? Aren't you thankful that the headlines or that the news that we watch is not the end of the story? There is a glory that is yet to be revealed. God is doing a work. In fact, what we see is that this glory that's going to be revealed, it, man, it's not just that we are going to be changed, that as Philippians 1, 6 puts it, that God is going to complete the good work that he started in us, that, that there's going to be this time in which sin will no longer own us. When we will be set free, there's also this hope of eternal life. It's, it's eternity with Christ. And what God is doing in preparing this place that, 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 that we call heaven, it says that he is preparing heaven. I, I, love, I, love how, I love how Revelation 21 puts it. It has been prepared as a bride prepares for her husband. Now, how does a bride prepare for her husband? I'm going to tell you right now. It's not like, you know, bride's like, yeah. I'm getting married, and you're going to like put on your pajama bottoms like you're going to Walmart or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what's up with that, by the way? I don't know. Like, dude, like, did you get up? Anyway, I, I, I can get started down the road. No, no, I love this. Because I, I remember my wedding day, man, I'm standing up there, and they, the, da, 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 you know, the, the music starts, and, and I intentionally, I'm like, I'm not looking down the aisle until I hear the first few notes. And so the music starts, and I spin, and here comes Lori, and I'm like, whoo! Yes. And I'm telling you, man, she was looking good, man. I'm telling you, a bride prepares for the wedding. This is the attention. This is what God has been doing. 
What God is doing, this glory that's going to be revealed is a beautiful glory that, that, that is going to change us personally, but it's also going to change our, us experientially. L- literally what's going to take place, the sufferings that we have here are going to be gone. And what we see in heaven is that according to Revelation 21.4, it's going to be a place where he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. Aren't you thankful for that? Think about that. No more death. Undertakers are out of business. No cemeteries in heaven. There's there's no more mourning. We grieve here. It's a very real thing. We grieve. No more suffering. No more pain. No more relational pain. No more conflict. No physical pain. Perfect health. Listen, man, there are no canes in heaven. There aren't. I mean, if you do sign language, it's just for fun. I don't even think, there's not going to be vacuum sweepers in heaven. I'm just telling you right now. It is going to be amazing. Listen, I'm telling you, this is what we have. There's a glory that's going to be revealed. This is what God has promised us. Listen, sons and daughters, this life is not all there is. And it's many times when we suffer and when we go through things we don't understand that Satan comes in and and he says, see, you're condemned. No, you're not. There is no condemnation. See, see, no, because of who you are, man, God doesn't want to have anything to do with you. There is no separation. In fact, I would say this as we close. Though, as we look at what is, what is ahead for us, we say, oh man, if I could just get, to, that's amazing, that's it. Listen, we can know this. I love 1 John 5, 13. John says, I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. If that was all there is, that would be amazing, but there's more. And what I want to leave you with is these beautiful words as we close out Romans chapter 8. In Christ and by the Spirit, what we can know, child of God, what you can know is that you are loved and safe forever. I'm convinced the most confident person in the world is the person that understands who they are in Christ, what Christ has done for them, and then lives in light of that confidence. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. Which means this very simply, there's nothing that happens that is wasted. God is at work in every detail. There's nothing that is wasted. What this means is that if you're a part of God's family, it did not happen by accident. You are not accidentally a child of God. Listen to me, church. If you are a child of God, you are a child of God that was chosen. You are saved on purpose with a purpose for a purpose. This is how good God is. And what you can know is that you are destined to make it. Church, we are safe because The shepherd, if you read Psalm 23, is the one who takes us home. But I've got to close with these beautiful words beginning in verse verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If the entire world is against us, if God be for us, who does it, that really why he says like, does it really matter who's against us? No, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Man, I feel like I'm condemned. Who, who, why are you saying that? 
The only person that does this, we read, is, is it is God who justifies. Who's there to condemn? It's Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. If you don't think anybody's praying for you, just based on this, you need to come back to, uh, you need to come back to verse 34. Jesus Christ is praying for you. Is that good or what? Jesus Christ is praying for you. This one's mine. This one's mine. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. But, oh, it's good, but it doesn't stop there. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake are being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Don't you see what I'm going through? Does this mean that we're separated from your love? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can somebody say amen to that incredible truth? It be, Romans 8, greatest chapter in the Bible, I think, begins with no condemnation, ends with no separation, and reminds us in the middle, there is no defeat. Child of God, you're going to have days when you feel like God's a million miles away, but he's not. There are going to be days that you feel the weight of your past sins. It's not held against you. There are going to be days in, in, in which you're, you're not quite sure that you're going to make it. You're going to make it. And what I love is that God has promised us something great, but it's not something only that we look forward to because there is not a day that you and I walk as a child of God that we are separated from the love of God. There's not a single person that can look at the cross and say, yeah, I don't think God loves me. No. What we've seen through this, through this trek through Romans is that God loved us so much he did everything that he could do to reconcile us to himself. You see, the cross is, is much more than something we wear around our necks. The cross is, is much more than a decoration. No, the cross is a declaration. The cross declares and proclaims, I love you this much. Church, Satan's going to fight. The doubts are going to come. But know this, in Christ and by the Holy Spirit, there's no condemnation. There's no separation. We are more than conquerors. How does this change your life? We don't live with a rearview mirror that's bigger than our windshield. We look ahead knowing that God's not done, that the best is yet to come. And so, Father, as we close our time together on this Independence Day, I'm so thankful for what you've done through the work of Jesus Christ. Thank you for what you've done to save us, what you've done to redeem us, to justify us, to set us free. But God, I'm so thankful that your work is not over. Your Holy Spirit has continued to transform us. We're going to continue to be changed till the day we go to heaven. And I'm glad for that because I want to see some change. God, thank you for that. God, you're not done. Your will is going to be done in us, with us. And God, it's going to be done through us. And so, Lord, I want to thank you for what you do in transforming a person for taking us from death to life. That's who you are. You're that good. So God, for what you've done and for what you're going to continue to do, I thank you. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. Amen. Well, here's what we've done. So here's how we're going to close. 
At the end of every service, I've said, hey, man, if there's anybody that want to make a commitment to Christ or today, man, you know, God changed you in some way. I want you to stand. You recommitted your life. Stand, and we're going to celebrate. And, and listen, I, I still want to do that. You, you can stand here in just a second. But, man, I love Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, it is life to us. And so here's what I want to do. We're going we're to change up how we're going to end today. Man, if through this series you have already stood, I want you to stand again because we're going to celebrate what God has done. If God has convicted you, challenged you, you knew you were supposed to stand earlier and you hadn't stand, you, you didn't stand before, but you want to testify to the fact that over the last nine weeks, God has been at work in your life. You're going to stand. We're going to celebrate. If, if, if today you're here, you want to be saved, uh, or if you believe that God's changed you, you've recommitted your life to Christ, whatever, we're just going to celebrate celebrate what's taking place as God has made us and, and allowed us to take those next steps. And so, man, if over the last nine weeks, God's done something in your life, he's changed you, I just want you to stand and we're going to celebrate what God has done. Just go ahead and rise to your feet. Rise to your feet. Yeah, come on. This is it, man. Woo! Ah, oh, this is it. Oh, God has been at work. God has been at work. Listen, I want everybody to stand. I want everybody to stand. Listen, we're going to go out. You know, some of you are going to go like into your bunker and hide your dogs because of fireworks tonight. I get that. Others are going to be like in danger of blowing off their fingers. Whatever the case, I want you to stay cool, stay hydrated, but go out, not just celebrating the freedom that we have thanks to the sacrifice of, of many men and women across the years, but go out knowing that you are free indeed in Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation. Have a great 4th of July. We'll see you next week. You're dismissed.